Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, friends, good morning. We have on this 19th Sunday here in Ordinary Time this beautiful story that we all know so well, that we've all heard so many times, and uh, I just want to share it from my heart this morning that over the many, many years of praying with this gospel, many, many years of imagining this scene, I've always been drawn to the, uh, what I'll call the Petrine elements of this gospel story, right? All those things involving the elements of Peter. I've always been drawn to that, right? He sees Jesus walking on the water in the midst of the storm. They think it's a ghost. No, I don't think it's a ghost. Lord, if it is you, command me to walk on the water towards you. And the Lord says with just one word, come. And he starts walking on the water, which when you hear later where the Lord says, you of little faith, you're like, I don't know if that's little faith. That seems like big faith. But that's another homily for another day. I think it's hilarious and ironic, of course, that the guy whose name is Rock begins to walk on the water. That's pretty cool if you ask me. But then, of course, Peter begins to notice the winds and the waves, the storm. He gets to see the tumult around him. He takes his eyes off Jesus, and he begins to sink, which is such a powerful metaphor, of course, for the entirety of the spiritual life. How often, like, that is our story, right? That is our story, that as things happen, we take our eyes off the Lord and we begin to sink. And I'm sure every single one of us probably could take turns coming up here to share a testimony of how that's unfolded in our own lives when you began to sink, when you got your eyes off Jesus. And I've loved pondering over the past many years, I've loved pondering and turning over in my mind and in my heart what it means, like what it means to stay in his gaze. Like that's where the power came from that he allowed himself to stay in the gaze of Jesus, that this gaze put a power into him that he didn't have on his own, that his gaze puts a power into me that I don't have on my own, that I can now do things that ordinarily I, I couldn't do, that I find my heart being now animated by a love that is just out of this world, and I'm now able to do things that seem impossible, right? To endure things that I didn't think that I could endure to say things to people that I didn't think that I could say, to say yes to things that I didn't think that I could say yes to, to keep going when I didn't think that I could keep going. Like I think about the stories of the saints and martyrs who endured unimaginable things. Like it wasn't just sheer willpower that allowed Maximilian Kolbe to do what he did in Auschwitz, to take the place of another prisoner and to stand in a starvation bunker for days. It was he... It was his heart allowing the gaze to continue to penetrate his heart. If you want to see an amazing depiction of this scene, by the way, just pop over to the school sometime on the third floor chapel that we have, the middle school floor. We've got in the chapel this beautiful depiction by this Korean artist depicting this scene. It's, it's exquisite. That's just a teaser to get you over to the school to look at it. All right, I share all of this because... I, I was expecting to be meditating on and ruminating on these Petrine elements again of this story this week as I was looking at the gospel, but that's just not where my heart was drawn. My heart was drawn elsewhere. 
which I found interesting. I just, as a preacher, someone who's, who professionally, so to speak, reads the scriptures and gets ready to say things to people, it's easy to fall into the mental tracks of, oh, this is what I'm used to reflecting on. And, and it's amazing how every once in a while, more than every once in a while, the Holy Spirit highlights something that you're like, I just never saw that before. And that's what the Lord did for me this week. I noticed something about this gospel that I never really noticed before. And look, I don't know if what I'm about to say I don't know if what I'm about to say is something that, that we all need to hear, or maybe just some, one person here this morning needs to hear, or maybe it's just me that needs to say it. But my job as your, as your priest is just to do the best I can to get out of the Lord's way and to, to say what he gave me to say. So what did I notice? This. Jesus didn't calm the storm while remaining on the shore. He didn't calm the storm while remaining on the shore. And he could have, is the point. He could have. There's a lot of things that he could have done. Like he, he could have told the apostles with his omniscience, he could have said to them, hey, fellas, I know it looks like a really clear evening right now, but I, I'm, I'm telling you a storm is rolling in, so I just would recommend that you don't take the boat across the lake and just, if you want to get a head start heading to the other side, why don't you just start walking? I'll meet you the other side. He could have done that. He could have said, don't get in the boat don't go on the water. He could have said, he could have said that. He could have come to them in the first watch of the night instead of waiting till the fourth watch of the night, which was in the early hours of the morning between 3 and 6 a.m. He stayed on the shore and let them stay in it for hours. He didn't have to do that, but he chose to do that, right? He could have done otherwise. He could have come to them immediately. He also, sitting from the shore, he could have just waved his divine hand and just pushed that low-pressure system away and just, without them even knowing it, he could have calmed the winds and the waves sitting in on the shore. But he didn't do that. So why not? Why not? Because he's showing us something. This is so much more than just a miraculous theophany, a manifestation of his divinity, Jesus doing the things that only God can do. In the Old Testament, you see over and over and over again this imagery of God walking upon the waves. This is, this is him manifesting that, yes, but he's doing something more. It's an icon. He's revealing something deeper. He's showing us how he responds to our storms and our sufferings. He's a very strange God who is love, perfect love, through and through. He is good and he is trustworthy. His ways, though, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. He doesn't do things the way that we would do things. He doesn't respond the way we would respond. That doesn't mean that he's indifferent or cruel. He's something so much more. He's a divine father bringing about something in us that we couldn't even ask or imagine. He's a very strange God who uses and who allows suffering and trials and storms to bring about his purposes in us and in the world. It's a very strange God that he is. He's showing us something so deeply mysterious. It's like he's lifting the corner of the veil, showing us why he permits storms and sufferings. He's showing us that in all of that, he wants to give us something so much more than just an immediate solution. He doesn't want to be just a mere genie. He wants to be a father. He wants to give us so much more than just a solution or a painkiller. He wants to give us himself. 
Look, we've all lived through, and, and, and maybe many of us are right now living through moments or seasons of life where we found ourselves, where we find ourselves right now over and again crying out to God, saying, God, why, like, make this stop. Whatever it is, God, make this stop. You can do this. You can make this stop. Why don't you just fix this already? Why don't you just make this go away? Like, I mean, I am, cer- I, I am certain that there are some among us here this morning who are there right now that the boat of your life is taken on water. Or you look at your marriage, it feels like it's taken on water. You look at your family, it's taken on water. You look at our nation, it's taken on water. And how many of us are crying out, Lord, make this stop. Make it go away. Fix this. Just come in and fix it. The winds and the waves of anxiety are buffeting your boat, beating you down, and there's this profound sense of being so stripped of control, wildly out of control. Like, I can't think my way out of this. I can't maneuver my way out of this. I can't buy my way out of this. My connections to friends or family or to influential people... It does nothing for me. I'm just in it. You're just in it. And that's often when we, people of faith, it's when we turn to God and we beg Him just to fix it, to make it stop, to make it go away. This is what, again, I want us to notice because it's strange. Notice what Jesus does first. Jesus, right? Jesus whose word has the power to bring peace to the storm, whose word has the power to calm the winds and the waves. What he does first is he walks out into it. Like he enters the storm. He comes to them first in it before he does anything, so to speak, about it. I want to repeat that. He first enters it with them before he does anything about it. And if we're honest, that's why we don't like Jesus sometimes. Because he doesn't just fix it. He doesn't just make it go away. He doesn't just make it stop. But friends, this is the precious pearl That though he could, he refuses to stay distant from your suffering. And though he could, he refuses to keep you from certain sufferings and trials. Like even though he could, he refuses to keep you from certain sufferings and trials. For only in that mystery are we able to experience a certain and particular intimacy, a profound experience of intimacy, this profound love, when everything is stripped, when you find yourself powerless, desperate, when everything's on the ground and he's still there with power, with tenderness, with kindness, with mercy, with all of his heart. Like there's this amazing mystery that unfolds when we find that love enters into the heart of our darkness. That he doesn't just flip the light switch on from the hallway, he steps into the room where we are scared. Like when the love of a spouse doesn't recoil 
at our suffering, but it stays in it and presses in. Or when we've messed up royally and all of our sin and shame is on display and yet there are still people who press in and want to remind us of our goodness, of our worth, of our mission. When news, when news comes back from the doctor and it's scary news and your thoughts just swirl and they go down the rabbit hole of catastrophe and yet in that somehow the Lord's still small voice, the whisperer, speaks and says, it will all be okay. No matter what, it will all be okay. I'm in this with you. It's a profound and it's, it's an ineffable mystery. This thing that happens when love enters into the storm that we're in. Look, friends, this is not a comfortable, feel-good homily. But I don't know if you've noticed, at the center of everything that we're doing here today, there's a man pinned to a cross. There's not another way. He doesn't want to take you out of the storm. He wants to enter the storm with you. It's an ineffable, unspeakable mystery when somehow, even though the storm doesn't go away at first, when love enters it with me, we discover in us, like Peter discovered in this boat, he just, we discover in ourselves this, this thing that bubbles up that says, I think I can do the impossible. I think I want to walk on the water. And so look, I just want to say this, that if you are in it right now, because if you're not in it right now, you're going to be soon. That's just life, whatever it is, and you're crying out to God to make it stop, to make it go away, to, for him to just to come and fix it. I'm begging you, as someone who needs you to be a saint just as much as you need me to be a saint, I'm begging you, please do not rob yourself of the immense gift and the immense grace of looking up to see him in it with you. Stop asking him to just fix it. Stop asking him to just make it go away. Stop asking him to just make it stop. And instead, look up and beg for the grace. Lord, show me how you are in it right now. Where you are in it right now. How you are walking on the water to me in this storm right now. It's not a coping mechanism that he offers us. He is not anesthesia. Jesus is not anesthesia. He's not a placebo. The real Jesus, the real Jesus comes to us. He's coming to you right now because he doesn't want you to be alone and he doesn't want you to be scared in the storm. And that's pretty incredible. Let our hearts sit in that. Let our hearts rest in that this week. Because that, friends, that is true.